You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Good day, everyone. My name is Reverend Benita. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I am one of the co-pastors of Teaching and Community. It's a joy to be able to kick off this Advent season with our new sermon series, Those Who Dream. So during our meet and greet, we asked the question, have you ever had a dream come true? I hope you were able to answer in the affirmative. Um, I could certainly relate. Um, I have had a couple of dreams come true one of which involved singing with Maverick City Worship. During COVID, I actually was introduced to this group. I uh, was introduced to the song Promises initially by my niece, and I watched them throughout the pandemic. I watched their videos, listened to their music, and they truly encouraged me and lifted me. And at some point I said, I wanna sing with these young people. They are awesome. Well, fast forward to 2022. I was on their website and I saw that they were conducting auditions. So I wound up making my way to Harlem, found out I made the cut, and I had the opportunity to sing at the Prudential Center, at the Barclays Center, and on The View. And I was happy because some of our Forefront family was able to attend these concerts with me. So that was an exciting dream come true. Thank you. Thank you. Another dream come true was after I graduated from college, I said that I dreamed of teaching young people at church and traveling around the world. And I thank God that I was able to be a Sunday school teacher, work with youth ministry, eventually become a youth pastor. Um, And I've been able to see many places around the world, and it has afforded me the opportunity to... um, learn about different cultures, learn about people in different countries. So that has truly been a blessing. Um, However, I've had some other dreams that have not come true. Um, I still dream for healing and reconciliation with some of my siblings. I believe that if we were better connected and if our relationship was stronger, we could do some amazing work together. That continues to be a dream. Another dream that I have, and I've had it for a long time, I remember coming to church in New York and looking at the people who are are experiencing houselessness, and then I would look at all the abandoned buildings, and I would say, my gosh, I wish that all of these people who are houseless could somehow, some way, find a home in all of these buildings, and then they wouldn't have anything to worry about in terms of shelter, and then they would not be food insecure because we would be able to support them with food as well. Clearly, if we look around New York, that continues to be a dream. I continue to dream that all of us, with all of our various, all of our various identities, could just simply be. Be who we are without discrimination, without people looking at us in in a particular way because we have come from a particular background. 
that continues to be a dream, that we could all be our authentic selves and be received in who we are. I fell in love with the poem by Langston Hughes when I was in high school, and it's called Dream Deferred. And it reads, what happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like a syrup sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load or does it explode? When the Israelites were released from Babylonian captivity after generations of oppression, they uttered these words. When the Lord restored the captives of Zion, we were like dreamers. It was like a dream come true for them. They had been in bondage, in captivity for seven years, 70 years, so many generations. We're finally free. What does it look like to live as those who dream? The prophets, the psalmists, John the Baptist, Mary, Elizabeth, Joseph, Simeon, Anna, the shepherds and the magi, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and those who fought for justice were all dreamers. They received, discovered, and responded to God's dreams for the world. During our season of Advent, we step into the mystery and awe of God's dreams and pray that they shape our reality. And as we enter into this Advent season, we can dare to dream, dare to dream. I remember growing up, there was this game called Truth, Dare, Consequence, Promise, or Repeat. Did anyone play that in their neighborhood? You know, we would dare each other to do some stupid stuff. You know, one of which was ring and run, right? There were only a few kids in the neighborhood, but, you know, and our neighbors knew who would play out in the street, but you would get the dare to, like, ring your neighbor's doorbell and then, like, run and hide and watch them, right? But let's be clear, the neighbors knew. These were the same neighbors that we would go door to door to sell Girl Scout cookies to. So they were probably like these ridiculous kids, right? But, but we took the dare, right? Today, we can think about taking the dare to dream. I remember sitting with some uh, New Jersey universities and colleges. We were a bunch of dreamers. Students were there, staff and faculty, and we dreamed of more inclusion for the LGBTQIA community. And we dreamed about bringing together a conference and we were able to execute this conference because we wanted there to be systemic change and transformation at our respective schools. And I remember there was someone who offered a suggestion in terms of a theme. And they said, the struggle continues. And we thought about the fact that as we try to push for inclusion and belonging, there was a continual struggle because there were people that continued to create barriers for these individuals. However, we thought about how important it was that we focus on the fact that the struggle needs to continue. 
It was an attempt to address the barriers and discrimination that this community continued to endure. In Portuguese, the struggle continues, I think, because I haven't taken Portuguese before, but go with me, is a luta continua. The struggle continues, a luta continua. It's an African liberation cry which has roots in Mozambique when they were fighting to free themselves from Portuguese colonial rule. It has been taken up in other anti-colonial movements in Africa and other places as well. Again, during this season leading up to the celebration of the birth of Christ, Advent, it's a season of waiting and preparation, and I imagine that all of us could look around and dare to dream and be awakened to the realities of the world around us. And when we do, it's clear that the struggle continues. The struggle continues to end environmental racism. The struggle continues to end wars around the globe, resulting in humanitarian crises. The struggle continues to, to end housing deprivation. The struggle continues to end food insecurity. The struggle continues to end the stigmatization of mental health. The struggle continues to end capitalism. The struggle continues to end all forms of oppression. The struggle continues to decolonize our faith, to decolonize therapy, to decolonize how our children are taught to decolonize our fast pace. NPR, National Public Radio, had a clip recently about Advent. And they talked about Advent being the pursuit of a just world and persevering through the sorrow of violence and rejoicing in the hope of peace as we await the Christ child. This requires us to be living beings who understand our power and our unique and creative abilities to bring the light and love of God into dark and dimly lit places. How can we offer hope when there seems to be no hope though? How can we endure the painful events all around us and still hold space for an expected heart and spirit during this time? It calls for us to dare, to dare to dream, to be brave or courageous enough to do something risky to look beyond our current circumstances and seek and sow God's dreams for our world. Perhaps this starts with us being attentive, awake, as Jesus implores his followers in the book of Mark, chapter 13, as he talks about the signs of the end time. And it reads, starting from verse 32, no one knows the day or the time. The angels in heaven don't know and the Son himself doesn't know. Only the Father knows. So watch out and be ready. You don't know when the time will come. 
It is like what happens when a man goes away for a while and places his servants in charge of everything. He tells each of them what to do and he orders the guard to keep alert. So be alert. You don't know when the master of the house will come back. It could be in the evening or at midnight or before dawn or in the morning. But if he comes suddenly, don't let him find you asleep. I tell everyone just what I have told you. Be alert. This chapter is known as an eschological text or the doctrine of the last things. It relates to the end times of the world as we know it. It also concerns death and judgment and the final destiny of our souls. This passage represents the second half of the single longest speech by Jesus in the gospel. He speaks before he experiences his own cross and resurrection as a way to encourage and empower his friends in the face of Roman destruction and power. These verses are also known as the little apocalypse. The Greek, Greek meaning of apocalypse is revelation, an unfolding or unveiling of things not previously known. Now, if you're like me, you can breathe. If you have been in a particular church, like I've experienced, whenever topics come up about the end of the world and the return of the Son of Man, typically these verses evoke a lot of fear, a lot of scariness, all right? Because they're typically related to catastrophe and the sudden horrific destruction of the world. A little scary. And in my experience, there was always great emphasis placed on verse 36. But if he comes suddenly, don't let him find you asleep. <laughs> so we had to get it right, whatever right was. We had to get our houses in order. We had to be ready or else we were going to risk demise, destruction, going to hell. So we watched movies like Left Behind. We watched movies like The Rapture. Can anyone relate? And we were scared into having a relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> but at times, these verses were presented in a hope-filled context, right? Where the scenario was more of a spirit of expectancy and, and the revelation of hope where we looked forward to the second coming of Jesus with verses like Revelations 21, verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. What in our world right now feels like a little apocalypse? What is disruptive, disorienting, and threatening? 
in the midst of that turmoil that's on your heart, what is being revealed to us so that our souls can stay awake? How many of, it, of us are familiar with the term stay woke? Stay woke, all right? There's a song, Childish Gambino, anybody know? Yeah, all right. So this was a term that many of us became familiar with during the season of some would call racial reckoning, right? However, it came about in the 1930s, actually, this stay woke terminology. There was a song that was written in honor of the Scottsboro Boys, a group of black youth who were yet again of, accused of something. So, but this term came about and now this term is uh, quite triggering for some. It is very controversial, this stay woke terminology. Many states are enacting anti-stay woke legislation so that this term, so that critical race theory, so that black history is not taught in certain spaces. Stay woke. Marsha Y. Riggs defines it as this. She's one of the creators of Sanctified Art, which is a curriculum that we are using during this season. She goes on to say, and I like her definition, being woke means being aware of, enraged by, and willing to protest in solidarity with people who are pushed to the margins of society because of systemic oppression manifested as racism, sexism, heterosexism, ableism, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, and any and all forms of objectification and dehumanization we, act, we enact upon one another. Dr. Jennifer Mullen of Decolonizing Therapy, she just recently came out with her first book entitled Decolonizing Therapy, said these words in an interview with Bloomberg News. Sometimes we've got to wake up. And sometimes waking up means being uncomfortable. Amen? What does it look like to live with a posture of wakefulness, attentive to ourselves, others, and God. Perhaps we can keep awake by simply daring to dream, by envisioning how we live out God's promise to be with us. We dream through the pain and struggle as we lament and as we grieve and as we mourn. Resting helps us dream and awakens us to the realities of the spirit and world around us. Dreaming is sacred work. It's interesting that in some instances, we are discouraged from daydreaming. Many children who daydream are told to focus and finish their work. Productivity is praised over slowing down. Dr. Bettina L. Love, Arthur, author and William F. Russell professor at Teachers College at Columbia University recently released her most recent book entitled Punished for Dreaming, How School Reform Harms Black Children and How We Heal. 
There are barriers that exist blocking our dream space. Dreaming takes courage and intentionality. According to Trisha Hershey, who is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Rest is Resistance, a manifesto. She's also founder of the Nat Ministry. She calls herself the Nat Bishop. She says these words, the truth that we may be afraid or unsure of how we will rest is valid. We can move through our guilt and shame and fear that will emerge from reclaiming our bodies and time as our own. This is a vulnerable truth that we should not, that we should not run or hide from. It can be overwhelming to go against the dominant culture's desires and plans. We have been taught to hustle, fake it till you make it, ignore our body's cues for rest, all because our systems have been created to ignore and push the laborers and the workers as hard as possible to increase profit. It's interesting the number of countries who have actually incorporated rest into their work culture. I believe they're onto something. We haven't gotten there here yet. But when did you begin to confuse the idea of daydreaming as frivolous and a waste of time? How can we avoid our dreams drying up like a raisin in the sun? Daydreaming is actually a form of rest. It can allow you to open your heart and awaken to the realities all around us so that we can creatively extend goodness and love and joy and resources and support services to those in need. Unfortunately, resting has been associated with laziness, particularly for minoritized folk. Hershey goes on to say in her book, Dreaming is the way we move toward liberation because it is, is a direct disturbance to the collective reality of life under capitalism. Grind culture is violence, and violence creates trauma. Our divinity as human beings has been ignored and degraded. She goes on to say that thousands of people privately come into our social media inboxes and courageously share these words. I feel worthless when I am checking, I feel worthless when I am not checking off things on my to-do list. I feel lazy and unworthy if I have a day full of leisure. Bound up in guilt and shame, unable to settle into the gift given to us. This is where the dreaming begins. We need rest to connect back to ourselves and dream. We will rest. Now, if any of you know me, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> the question could be, Vanita, are you resting? And the answer is no, not like I need to. And this is something that I've been able to share with our manifesting change group. And they'll be holding me accountable. And we're holding us accountable for areas in our lives where we want to manifest change. So I'm working on it. And I hope we can all work on it. Amen? So let's be clear. Maybe some of you are like, Vanita, this is sort of kind of like way out, not really feeling it. This whole dreaming thing, this whole resting thing, this whole capitalism thing. 
This whole sound of like the struggle continues. I'll be honest, when the term, when the theme, the struggle continues was introduced in that group I told you about, there was someone who didn't like it. They felt like it was too harsh. They felt like we really didn't need to go there. However, this person wasn't from a minoritized group. So maybe you're not feeling it and that's okay. Maybe you're not feeling this whole rapture, second coming of Jesus. Maybe you're not even embracing this whole Advent season. Maybe you feel like our church didn't really get down with Advent. And you know, quite frankly, this is a season when I'm very emotional, when I'm sort of um, thinking about people who are no longer here. So I'm not feeling it. And if that's the case, it's cool. The questions, the doubts, the resistance, the apprehension to anything that I'm sharing today is okay. I'm just wondering, though, if we can all come together with positioning ourselves, our souls, to keeping awake, not simply to avoid hell or destruction or anything like that, but simply to experience the fullness of God with each of us, each and every day. We yearn and wait for the fullness of God. We trust that it will be revealed. Here at Forefront, we continue to dream. We had the opportunity to meet a couple of weeks ago, the staff, to be able to plan out uh, next year's sermon series. Many of us are dreaming, so when you see shifts and changes and new groups and different things that we're incorporating, these are results of dreams. And we are going to, in 2024, invite our church community to continue to dream with us. We'll actually be hosting dream sessions so that we can hear from you as it relates to what is on your heart. What are the dreams that you have for your community, for your congregation? All right, we can clap it up. All right. <laughs> amen, amen. We are ultimately dreaming that multitudes of people from near and far would be exposed to Forefront Church in Brooklyn, in person and virtually, that they would find peace and a home and a space of belonging, and that they would experience the transformative love of Jesus. Another founder of Sanctified Art, uh, Reverend Sarah R., is a dreamer, and she dreams of church basements filled with AA and grief support groups. She dreams within pride festivals and Black Lives Matter marches in the streets and couples longing to be parents. She has dreams of congregations fighting decline and teenagers fighting for a cleaner planet and the dream of Advent, a space and time set aside to remember that God is always with us. So this Advent, we invite you to join us in dreaming as an act of hope, as an act of resistance, and an act of faith. The struggle continues is what I've been sharing. And in that African liberation cry that has its roots in Mozambique, there's a response. And that response is this, Victoria, Acerta. That means victory is certain. So we have the struggle continues 
and we have victory is certain. I believe that the fullness of God is victory. So I want to try something with us, with our community of faith this morning. I'm going to share the struggle continues. And here in, for, in, in the roulette and in here forefront in the house and even virtually, I'm going to invite us to respond. Victory is certain. And we'll try to do that three times. Is that cool? All right. The struggle continues. The struggle continues. The struggle continues. Let this be our act of hope. Let this be our act of resistance. And let this be our act of faith. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.